that good old U version Bible app. Um, and so I want to invite you to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And while you're turning there, um, I, I want us to look over a couple of verses in Romans 8. And Romans 8 is this powerful, moving expression that Paul just has of all these different theologies um, that are centered on talking about who we're becoming and who we are. And uh, I want to just read a few verses um, for you around verses 12 through 17 to get our minds kind of set straight. And, and these will be kind of popular or famous or well-known verses that you may have heard a time or two, but they're good. And they're good just to sit with. And so I just want us to hear them. The first one is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, there is now, right now, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We could, we could spend our whole time just right there in verse 1. But also if you move to verse 11, another famous or popular passage is, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. And it's just saying that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead now is residing in you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Verse 26 says, And in the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weakness because we did not know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. We don't even know what to pray, how to pray, but the Spirit steps in for us on our behalf and makes our muddled human tongues clear to God the Father. That's a sweet idea. Verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? I remember hearing that verse so many times in my little church in Landrum, South Carolina. They would say, well, if God is for you, who can be against you? And then lastly, Paul ends Romans chapter 8 with verse 38 and 39. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from this love that is emanating, that is coming from God the Father for us. Yeah, that's good news. But when we get to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, we see how the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a down payment, as a guarantee of sorts um, of the inheritance that we're going to have one day. But it also lines out for us 
evidence of our adoption into the family of God. And then we'll talk a little bit about the benefits of the adoption that we have um, from God. And so we've been in this series, All Things Newish, and we've been thinking about what does it mean to be resurrected people? And today what it means is that we've been brought into the family of God and we can be sure of it. We've been brought into the family of God and we can be sure of it. And so I want to read verses 12 through 17 for you and for our consideration. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice that contrast, right? Death and life, flesh and spirit. Verse 14, for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs and heirs of God, if heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Some thoughts for your consideration for you to hold on to is that there is evidence of an adoption. Verses 12 and 13. Paul uses this term flesh. Now, it's a very churchy word, right? And, and so uh, when we think about it, we're like, is he talking about our physical flesh? Is he talking about my skin? What was happening here? And there's one preacher, John Piper, who I kind of glowingly adore and look after. Um, but he, he defines the flesh in this way. And I, I think it's a great definition. He says, flesh is any human action or achievement without dependence upon the Holy Spirit and without glorying, exalting in, trusting, treasuring, and valuing Jesus Christ. Now, that's a whole mouthful, so I want to say it again. Flesh is any human action, so what you or I do, or achievement without dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on and says, it's also without glorying in, exalting in, or trusting, treasuring, and valuing Jesus Christ. Man, that can sum up my life on a lot of days where I've just not been focused on the Lord and I've been depending solely on what I can do and not leaning on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that resides in me, right? And so there's a lot of... There's there's a lot of days where I feel like I'm living in the flesh and maybe you feel that way too. But this is what Paul says. He says, you are not obligated to the flesh any longer. You don't have to be in that mindset. You don't have to live with this non-dependence upon the spirit. But you can take up this that you have the Holy Spirit empowerment and live into it. Because you don't have to live according to the flesh any longer. That's good news. In fact, the flesh, 
Paul says in other places, he says that it's the wages of sin that leads to death. It is the flesh, it's that non-dependence upon the Spirit of God that leads us to death. And then he goes on in verse 13, he says, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. How pointed of Paul. You're going to die. And I thought to myself, okay, well, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. We, we all have an appointment with death. But what does he mean here? He's talking about a spiritual death. If you choose to live a life that is not dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God and valuing, exalting, and trusting, treasuring Jesus, you will be spiritually separate from that of God. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body you will live. One theologian said the Christian has declared war on sin. That's what it means to put to death the deeds of the body. That you've declared war on sin and it has and it is his aim to put to death the sinful practices of the body. He may not win every battle, I know I don't, but his declaration of war stands. And when he fails, he will get up, dust himself off, and go for another battle. You know, one of my greatest struggles is pride. I love to hear the call and the praise of my own name, my own intellect, and my own efforts. And so, as many people would say, or back in my hometown, we would say, he got the big head. And so I can, I'm, I'm prone to getting the big head, but the Lord blessed me one day with this woman named Cherish Taylor. And Cherish makes sure to pop my big head every now and then. Keep me humble. And so, to put to death the deeds of the body, we need the spirit. And it's this dependency it means forsaking the self. It means humility. It means realizing that you cannot do it all, but that you need the spirit and you must rely on him in order to put to death the deeds of the body. You see, that's evidence of adoption. And adoption, I should say, adoption is what? Adoption is the act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. It's where we get to be called brother and sister in Christ. It's where we get to say, Jesus, hey, you are not just our elder brother. You are our big brother. You my big bro bro. And so we've been adopted into the family. And when we push aside the works of the flesh and lean on the spirit, we take on life. And that is evidence of us being adopted into the family, being brothers and sisters of Christ. Verse 14 says this, and this is a, a linchpin verse for understanding these six verses. It says, for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. That's a passive verb, led you yourself goes back to being humbled. It goes back to being dropping down and being reliant on. You must be led like a sheep led by a shepherd. 
Or I think about it like this. We have two dogs, Danny and Hero. One's an Australian Shepherd who is very headstrong. And there's also Danny, a little Maltipoo who is feisty. And whenever we walk them, uh, Hero, uh, I'm supposed to be leading Hero, right? But Hero is always fighting to be out front, the Australian Shepherd. And so I find myself being led down the street by Hero. I find myself following in his footsteps. Same idea here, that you and I, the Spirit, must be the ones walking in front of us and we must find ourselves in step with the Spirit because when we do, we find out that He will direct and guide us. And this is a benefit of adoption. This is a benefit of being in the family of God, that the Spirit will direct and guide us. Because you know what? If we are left to our own devices, we will destroy ourselves and destroy other people around us. But when we follow the Spirit, we find ourselves thriving and are nurtured and are nourished. But when we are led by the Spirit, it's an equation for being the sons of God. And we'll talk more about that, that, that word there, sons, because it's connected to inheritance. It's connected to inheritance. And so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But verse 15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back in the fear. Instead, you, respe- you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word that just means father. And, and it's this, when you say father, father, it's, it's almost this, this deep, intimate yearning for connection with father. And so a benefit of our adoption, our benefit of us being in the family of God is that we get to relate to God as father. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a complicated history with my dads. And when I say dads, I have a stepdad who has been in my life since I was five years old, who is a a lovely, godly man. And then I have my bio dad and we have some issues that we have to still work through and tussle through. But for me, I can always realize that I have, no matter if my earthly fathers forsake me or somehow we don't get along or get it together, I have a good, good father who gives good gifts who is in heaven and he is perfect there is nothing wrong with him we relate and we get together and his love as Romans 8 uh, 38 and 38 and 39 said is inseparable there is nothing that separates us from that love so a benefit of our adoption is that we were directed and guided by the spirit but also verse 15 we get to relate to God as father That's good news. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need reassurance. I just, I need a pat on the back. I need to know I'm going in the right direction. I'm doing the right thing. And and so the good thing is, is that the Holy Spirit, when we rely on him, he himself uh, speaks to us. And there's an understanding in some mystical divine way that says that you and I truly are children of God. 
And so we have an assurance of the fact that we are no longer separated by sin from God, but that we've been brought close when we can cry out, Abba, Father. We can cry out, God, my Father. And so a benefit of our adoption is that we are constantly reassured that we belong. We belong. It, it, it is something about human nature where we seek out belonging. Right? We seek it out in various different ways through doing different activities. Uh, many times children in middle school and, and high school especially seek it out in sports or seek it out in good grades or seek it out in other ways. But you can belong in the family of God simply through believing that Jesus is the Son of God who has come, lived, died, and been resurrected. And the Spirit of God will testify, will speak to you and your understanding and say, you know what? You belong here. Verse 17. And if children also heirs, think back to verse 14 where he says you are the sons. You are also heirs with Christ, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Who likes to suffer? Who enjoys suffering? Not many people. I don't. But it is part of an, of an inheritance that we have as followers of Jesus. We get to walk in the way of our elder brother Jesus. And he suffered under persecution for us. Therefore, we shall suffer under persecution. Now, in America, we, we live and, and have a, a very, very um, light suffering, if any, for our faith. But there are other ways that we suffer. We suffer in our bodies through illness. We suffer socially. But in this suffering, it is part of our inheritance. But also, he goes on to say, Paul says that not only will you suffer with him so that we may also what be glorified with him. Paul says in Romans 8 and 23, he says not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, a down payment, if you will. We also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption. There is there is this idea that we have been both adopted and are being adopted in the future. It's this idea of already not yet. And so that's what he's talking about here, that we're eagerly awaiting for adoption. And then he goes on to say, the redemption of our bodies. You see, the inheritance that we have waiting for us is one, is that glorified, brand new bodies. A little song that I used to hear back in the day in South Carolina would be, I looked at my hands and my hands looked new. I looked at my feet and my feet did too. And what we was talking about is that one day, once we go and are with the Lord, we shall have glorified, glorious, uh, made perfect bodies. That's part of our inheritance. But also part of our inheritance that benefit of our adoption, that benefit of being in the family of God is that we get to rule and reign in the new heavens and the new earth. 
And that one day is coming. And we get to be a part of it. Revelation says that Jesus shall come riding uh, in on a horse and his people shall be behind him. That will be us ruling and reigning with him. And so when we think about all of this, when we think about the evidence of adoption, when we think about the benefits of adoption, that we are directed and guided by the Spirit, that we get to relate to God as Father, that we are constantly reassured by the Spirit that we belong in the family and that we have an eternal inheritance. It should lead us to praise. It should lead us to celebration. It should lead us to a thank you, God. It should lead us to a hallelujah. It should lead us to a moment where we say, when I think about the things that God has done for me and how he has set me free and how he has brought me into his family, even though I have a messed up dysfunctional family, I'm part of another family that is whole, that is perfect, and that has a good, good father. And today, I hope that you will Walk out thinking, feeling relief. That you will walk out knowing assurance through the Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I ask that your Spirit will continue to speak to us. God, I ask that we would be so grateful because we've been adopted into a family. We've been resurrected into a family with a good, good father, with the spirit that leads us and with our big brother, Jesus. And so God, I ask that you work these truths into our hearts and that the whispers of Satan would be buffeted. And I pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.